Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today, as usual, our our weekly wrap-up on the news with uh, our beloved friends, John Bennett uh, from CQ Roll Call and Michael Zeldin, uh, who has a wonderful podcast, former former pro- federal prosecutor. And Michael, once again, I'll let you plug the podcast. It's called That Said with Michael Zeldin. It's on all of the apps. It's not really a political slash legal podcast, but it's just books, which I find interesting uh that have a, a story to tell all non-fiction and you can catch it wherever fine podcasts are sold we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back and we'll have some fun stick around in this modern age of misinformation and deceit just ask the questions newsletter cuts through the bs and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just asked a question. Believe it or not, I am Brian Karam. And uh, after last night, I don't know who I am anymore, but that's another story for another time and alcohol not imbibed. But uh, with us, John Bennett from CQ Roll Call, Michael Zeldin, uh, former federal prosecutor. And we're going to start, I guess, uh, there's a lot to talk about, about what happened this week and how we covered it in the press. But I want to start with uh, Nancy Pelosi. And John, I'd like you to kind of unpack some of the stuff that uh, happened with Nancy this uh, Sunday morning on CNN. Uh, you've covered her for a while, so have I. Uh, you think she'll be back as uh, as the uh, if well, if by chance the uh, Democrats hold on to the House, you think she'll be back as a majority speaker, and if they don't, you think she'll stick around and be a minority uh, leader. Well, it's always tough to predict uh, what the speaker is going to do, and that's by design. Uh, she does usually hold her cards uh, pretty close, at least on strategy. And and whether she stays or, or steps down is very much a strategy uh, for Democrats and how they handle things. Um, you know, it what we're start, but we're starting to get a picture for the really the first time that Pelosi is at least seriously thinking about uh, stepping aside. And I would think not only leaving her leadership post, le- giving up either by being speaker or minority leader, um, but also resigning from Congress and focusing on other things. We we really started to get the first glimpse last week. She did a, a primetime interview on CNN with Anderson Cooper, and it, it was a different Pelosi than the one I've covered and, and you've covered. Yeah, and all I covered. think, and I, I think it's what happened to her husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, she does that interview, sometimes tearful interview. That's a different side of Pelosi that we really, you know, we haven't seen. Uh, really at all and understandably she and paul pelosi have been married for 59 years she was the target of the attack he ends up having skull surgery and and what sounds like a pretty long rehab ahead uh then fast forward to this morning she was on uh, abc and cnn the sunday morning shows and really the cnn interview to me was very telling uh, dana bash asked her about other democrats who are behind the scenes quietly making phone calls just in case Pelosi steps aside. Somebody's got to win that vote, caucus vote, uh, to become minority leader. So they they have to do their due diligence. Hakeem Jeffries uh, is really the seen as the heir apparent, and he's making calls. 
Uh, he's he's trying to line up the votes if, if she's not uh, <laughs> yeah. if she's not running. I would love to be on the other end of the phone call for one of those. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. So yes, yes, I've got is, you. <laughs> right. When this has happened in the past and Pelosi's been asked <laughs> about others making those very phone calls, Pelosi has clapped back on them in public and basically said, don't come for the queen because she'll right. lop off your head. Well, this morning when Dana Bash asked Pelosi that question, she said, she thinks it's beautiful that folks are taking those steps. That is not the Nancy Pelosi we're used to. Um, so I do think if they're, especially if they're in the minority, that we're going to have a new Democratic leader in the House. Um, she's very affected by what happened to her husband. And understandably, she said to Anderson Cooper, her first instinct when the Capitol Police said something's happened, we need to come in and talk to you. She thought it was her grandchildren or her children. So she's really worried about her family. And the last thing um, that from this morning's interview on CNN that really jumped out at me, uh, Pelosi said the speakership has great power, but there are other ways to yield to to there there are other ways wield to, power. to to wield influence. And yeah. she said, "I will always have influence," and there are a lot of different ways to do that. So that to me was really a signal to Democrats to get ready that there's going to be, there's going to be a new leader and she can, she can be heavily involved from outside of Congress. She can set up a political organization. She can just go after Trump. It might actually free her up uh, to do that. She's still going to be a fundraising force and she'll, she, she'll be, she'll, she'll be a tool for them uh, to use in future elections. So, but if, if, and there's this narrow vote counting path, for House Democrats to have, you know, a one or two seat majority, not likely to happen, but it's out there. I do think if if they pull that off, some a miraculous upset and hold the House that she'll stick around maybe for a year or so. They can do reconciliation bills a few more or at least try to push a few things through on reconciliation. She might uh, want to stick around for that. But I still think um, even in a majority, I think there's a, still a good chance uh, that she's ready to go. Yeah, I think she's going to leave if they are in the minority. Michael, you th she's 80 years old, and, and she earned the right to leave? I mean, right. I mean. She, she has earned the right to leave. I think she's earned the right to have a House office building named after her. I think she is about the most effective House speaker there's been in a very long time, maybe since Sam Rayburn. Uh, so I wow. think all kudos to wow. her. To her. I, I think of her as Tip O'Neill, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, she, she, if you read, for example, Molly Ball's biography of Pelosi and you watch the way she put together coalitions to achieve majorities for pieces of legislation that one group or another within her caucus didn't want, um, it, it, it's, it's masterful. It's, you know, it's uh, uh, exercise in political genius as far as I'm concerned. So to answer your question, when you're in a position that she's in where a family member has been attacked, it seems to me like any crime victim, you can say enough's enough. Just like you see many members, I think, not having run this year because enough was enough for them, the threats to their family and the like. And they said, I don't, I don't need this. I don't want this. I'm afraid for my family. I'm out of here. Understandable. Then there's another group that responds to these things by saying, you're not going to intimidate me out of here. I am not going to be, you know, beaten out of my job. I'll leave when it's my timing. And I think she's on that knife's edge trying to figure out what, what she wants to do. I personally hope she stays in the majority or in the minority. I don't see Steny Hoyer or Jeffries or oh. Jeffries or any of these guys being able to do what, what she does. And I think this next two year period before the 2024 election is going to be critical for uh, the Democrats. And I think that she has the best chance of keeping them on message um, toward a, a goal of reelecting Biden or electing 
uh, Biden's successor. And I think that will be compelling for her. But I don't know her. I'm speculating. And um, we'll have to see. Well, I, I I find it interesting that you compared it to uh, to uh, Sam Rayburn. That's pr- that's high high praise indeed. I but I I follow you. It's the fight or flight thing. Are you gonna stay and fight, or is it time to leave? And uh, like I said, she's earned whatever she wants to do. She certainly can can do that free of of of, of critique. I think as to whether or not she overstayed her welcome, which is what some people will indeed say. But um, at the end of the day, that's the question that every one of those uh, representatives have to answer. And if you're answering that that you're leaving because of the threats, then that seeds victory to those who made the threats, I believe. But yeah, well, that's 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 the look. Plus, I think you know, in, in some sense, there is something that might make her say. All right, Kevin McCarthy, you think you can run this place? <laughs> Just watch what, what I can do to you um, as minority leader. Yeah. You know, we'll, 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 who was who was the who was the minority leader? Boehner. We'll, yeah. You, know, you you think Boehner had it bad? You know, <laughs> yeah. you, ain't, you ain't seen you ain't seen nothing yet with a with a you know potential Republican two seat majority. Um, <laughs> The, the havoc that that can be caused in in that setting because he's got his own problems with retain, you know keeping his coalition together because the the far right of his party are very different than uh some of the others and uh she i think might relish for two years playing <laughs> a devil's advocate sort of uh thorn in the side of right that's all that's all he's ever tried to be for them he's never tried to cooperate he's never been um, a true legislator. He's just been um, a thorn. And so maybe uh, she might relish the possibility of, of repaying the favor. Well, uh, on that note, I want to switch gears a little bit and stick with you, Michael, and talk a little bit about uh, one of the guys that are the chief architect and uh, the master of disaster that brought us the house and, and the problems of the last six years, Donald Trump. His uh, multi-pronged efforts to keep a lot of his former advisors from testifying or providing information to federal uh, prosecutors. Um, I I know that he has failed this week, and he has, uh, and I'd like you to unpack a little bit of that. What you said here, I, I like. Obtaining this testimony is a critical step, perhaps last step before state and federal prosecutors determine whether the former president should be indicted. So let's talk about the stalling tactics of Donald Trump and how they have may have finally come to the ragged end. Right. So story one is he is supposed to testify tomorrow, pursuant to the House subpoena. Rather than testify, he has sued the, the committee saying that a subpoena to him, a private citizen, violates separation of powers. The the the, the hubris in that um, you know is startling. In that separation <laughs> of powers involves people who are in office, generally speaking. <laughs> um, and so, committee uh, of the Congress that that subpoenas a private citizen who says you can't sue me because once upon a time. I was in the executive branch, <laughs> but, that, but but rather than testify, he's suing. And obvious reasons are that one, he can't testify because he can't testify truthfully. Um, but secondly, if the Congress does turn over, then what he's done is delayed the activity beyond what is probably the tenure of this committee. This committee under... Republican control won't exist. And so right. in come come January, if there's a Republican controlled House, they're just going to withdraw the subpoena. He'll declare victory uh, in, in, in only the way he's capable of declaring victory. Um, and that'll be that. So as to him, that's that's what's playing out. If the House is um, retained by the Democrats, then his subpoena will get litigated and 
he'll be in this situation where, to your actual question, his advisors are Cipollone and um, Philbin, from the general counsel's, uh, White House counsel's office, Eastman, his outside advisor, um, who have all resisted testifying, asserting executive privilege or attorney-client privilege in Eastman's case, in, in addition to executive privilege, and a court in D.C. where the Justice Department has a grand jury that's wanting to talk to these people about their conversations with the president, the chief judge who oversees that grand jury has said, no, no, executive privilege does not apply. You guys must testify. And that and includes Mark Short. Short and Jacob, both from right. Vice President Pence's um, operation, and then um, Philbin and Cipollone from the White House Counsel's Office and Eastman as out, outside counsel. All of them have been told that they have to testify similar to Lindsey Graham, who has to testify in the Georgia case. So all of these efforts that we've seen over the last two years, essentially, for these inner advisors who have the most insight into Trump's state of mind have finally reached the point where the court has said, enough's enough. You have to go to the grand jury and testify. Um, you, your claims of privilege are not um, persuasive. Well, one thing I want to bring and in. That, is, hold on. One thing. I say, I just, to, okay, go ahead. Just going to say, the last thing is, if the missing link that prosecutors have had is Trump's state of mind, and if these witnesses can offer that because of direct communications with him, that's why I say maybe we're at the, the toward the end of the process by which the Justice Department has enough information to decide whether to indict or not. Well, and I want to bring John, you I want to bring you in for one specific reason. I think Trump would stall to have any testimony given. That is a given. But in the case of at least one of these people, I think there's a real legitimate reason why it would be detrimental to Trump personally to have him testify, and that is Mark Short. Mark, I've known since Kay Bailey Hutchinson. He worked for her. Um, he was never one of Trump's two true believers. And in fact, he was on Pence's team and was not exactly fond of some of the people on Trump's team. John, I, you, you know him as well as I do. I, I think he's probably the last person on the planet or one of the last people on the planet Donald Trump would want to see on a witness stand. Right. I think you're absolutely right. I think the last person Donald Trump wants to see on the witness stand, though, is Mark Meadows. But that's a different <laughs> yeah. story. Or, or himself. Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah. So so <laughs> Mark Short is third. Yeah. yeah, Mark's a pro. Uh, he he's a believer in conservatism, not Trumpism. Um, he tried to his job first as legislative affairs director in the White House, and then on Pence's team, and then Pence's chief of staff. Um, you know, it was to make it was to take Trumpism and package it legislatively as something that looked more like conservatism, and that's what he tried or, to do. Or democracy, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what he tried to do. So he's not a, a to your point he's not a uh, uh, he's not a, a a Trump a team Trump person and he knows a lot he was in very senior positions he was in the room for a lot of things and that's what that's who Donald Trump doesn't want on the stand is anyone who was in the room uh, when big things were being discussed or or big decisions being made and a lot of times uh, just like with a lot of vice presidents it's what the modern vice presidency um is becoming or has become pence was the last one in the room then pence goes back and tells his folks um you know trump said this or trump wants to do this right uh, or trump told me he talked to this person last night you know or 3 a.m when trump would just call people um so yeah mark knows everything or or, or mark knows as much as anybody except say a mark meadows who was trump's last chief of staff and no trump doesn't want to see Trump does not want to see an under oath uh, straight shooter like Mark Short, who's concerned about the future of his party and would rather it not include Donald Trump. Um, so he's got a lot of incentive, to be honest, 
other than just being under oath. <laughs> well, and I think he's one of the guys, look, whatever you want to say about conservatism, whatever you want to say, I'll, I will say in my interactions with Mark, he was always a straight shooter and he would put yeah. country ahead of party. And so I think that's the thing that Donald Trump would definitely, one of the things he would fear the most is someone who, who puts country ahead of party on that witness stand with the awareness of and and being able to testify directly as to some of the things that occurred in that room, including the number of curse words shouted in 30 seconds or less. So yes, but but that's but, not a small number. But but Mark Meadows is still the hub of yes. this wheel and oh, yeah. conspiracy. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and I believe I've said this on the, the air before, with absolutely no basis in fact to say it. I believe that Mark Meadows must be testifying with the DOJ. Why? Because he's got a lot of exposure and he's had good lawyers um, from the outset. George Twilliger, who's a friend and a good lawyer. So you think I, he's already been talking to the DOJ? I, I think to, it would be logical to me that he would be doing that. You know, it's one thing to talk to the January 6th committee because as soon as someone talks to January 6th committee, it becomes known that you've talked to the January 6th committee. And so there's political uh, exposure there. Um, and Meadows wants to maintain his viability, maybe in South Carolina. I don't, I don't know where. But um, the DOJ oh, is much. <laughs> well, I think doesn't he live in South Carolina now? Yeah. Um, um, the DOJ, as we saw in the Mueller investigation and, and, and as we are seeing under uh, Merrick Garland, can keep confidences um, more tightly and therefore and they're the only people that can indict and if Mo, if Meadows feels and as Cassidy Hutchinson seemed to indicate he knew and either agreed to or was willfully indifferent to what was going on uh, January 6th and or if he was a liaison between the White House and um, Roger Stone and, and, and his operation in the Willard Hotel, that's a lot of potential exposure. And yeah. I, I would think that if he's capably represented as he is, that he would be talking quietly with the DOJ to figure out how to mitigate his legal exposure. That's my just submission. Sur Submission based on surmise. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would certainly explain why we haven't seen Meadows for a, a good English fortnight. That's <laughs> which may be another if you're tea leaf reading. Yeah, you know when someone goes quiet like that, <laughs> yeah. when they've not been historically a quiet sort of person, you think, huh, what's up with that? Yeah, well. <laughs> John, you were there. Mark Meadows could be called lots of things, but quiet is not usually one of them. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is a guy who would text with reporters when he was a congressman. Yeah. Um, and not an in, not an, uh, an uh, you know, not a, he wasn't, he was no backbencher. He was very important. He was chairman of the Freedom Caucus. He, he controlled or had influence over, let's say, you know, 40 or 50 votes at a time when that mattered. And, yeah. As my cat goes crazy, oh. um, <laughs> um, yeah. At a time your cat has never liked your cat has never liked Mark Meadows. Yeah, <laughs> no, they yeah. There's history there, but we can't get into it. Uh, exactly. We sign documents. <laughs> we non disclosures uh, are non disclosures. <laughs> right, tough to get out of. Um, well, I lost my train of thought. Thanks to the cat for that. Uh, yeah, Mark Meadows used to text with reporters and, and talk to reporters all the time. He did the same thing as chief of staff. Uh, and now you don't see his name in the paper, at least not with quote marks anywhere near it. So it, I think I think Michael's right. Uh, there's only one thing to conclude here, and and it's very bad news for Donald Trump. <laughs> well, once again, I've been saying, you know, there are a lot of people. Let's end this segment on this thought. I'd like to get both of your thoughts on it. A lot of people are whining, griping, moaning, complaining that Donald Trump has yet to be indicted and that um, Merrick Garland has been dragging his heels in doing so. And uh, again, we've said it on more than one occasion. I find him to be meticulous. I don't think he'll much give a 
crap about the politics. I think it'll all be about the law at the end if he feels that, and he will do his due diligence because you get only one shot at Donald Trump. And so I, I think he's going to take his time and make sure that he aims true. But I'll go on the record and have, I do believe Donald Trump is going to be indicted. End of story. Have at it. Michael? It is a guess. And the guess is that all of these cases are very close. There are there are defenses to these cases that um, can be made. And Garland has to sort out whether he can meet the Justice Department standard of obtaining a conviction and then sustaining that conviction on appeal. And you want to make sure that your case, you know, can meet that standard. And, you know, in the in the media, on television, really what we largely hear is the plaintiff's case, if you will, the, the, the prosecution's right. case. We don't, like was complained about with respect to the January 6th committee, and they're saying the evidence is so overwhelming. Well, it's, they're cherry picking the evidence that they want us to hear. We don't know what counter evidence may exist out there. And Garland has a very difficult problem in respect of many of these cases, which is the January 6th committee has taken hundreds of hours of testimony from thousands of people or hundreds of people. And the Justice Department has to go through every bit of that testimony to make sure, one, that there's nothing in there that undermines their case. Um, and two, if there is anything that is considered Brady material, meaning has some exculpatory value to the um, potential defendant or the defendant, it has to be turned over. And so they've got a lot of work to go through. And I don't even know if they've seen all of the, the transcripts of the testimony from January 6th yet. So it's pretty hard um, in respect to the January, the stuff that's under the January 6th orbit for the Justice Department to move any faster than they're moving. Um, Mar-a-Lago is, you know, is is a different matter. Uh, it's much more um, discreet. And, and well, it's not cut and dried, but it's more discreet. It's ring fenced and same with, right. with Georgia. Um, but I, I remain on the fence as to whether or not he's going to be indicted. What I, I'll stand by what I said before, which is as mealy as it comes, which is I think these cases have defenses I just don't know whether they're compelling enough to overcome an indictment and sustained um, sustaining that conviction on appeal. As well, <laughs> a very Perry Mason esque of you, <laughs> John. What do you? I'll let you have the last word before we we head to to uh, break. You. What do you think here? Yeah, it's a it's definitely a guess. Uh, Michael's right. My stance hasn't changed. It's just so many different investigations and so many potential or likely charges that I think it's a it's a math problem. It's a numbers problem for Trump uh, to outrun them all. But and <laughs> caveat, if anyone could do it, it's Donald Trump. Yeah. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. And I am your host, Brian Kerman. Still with us, Michael Zeldin and John Bennett. And I guess uh, I, I want to take a quick look, a quick dive in to the midterms and an update on that. And first thing I want to say is for everyone who didn't know him, I just want to 
my best to uh, Gary Martin and his family. Gary is a longtime reporter uh, with Las Vegas and uh, was the uh, was uh, until recently the um, the um, Washington uh, D.C. bureau chief who went to Las Vegas to cover the Nevada part of the election and uh, died suddenly uh, on Thursday. And so my our best to uh, to Gary and his family, just a real damn good reporter, old fashioned, hard nose and great temperament and always a good cheer reporter and he'll sorely be missed. So uh, we, I don't want to have to say a whole lot about that, but I didn't want to acknowledge it because of all the things I know about Gary, the thing he'd be pissed about the most is dying before the election results came in because he had worked so damn hard on him. So uh, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Nevada. At this point in time, it appears that the Democrats have held on to um, the, uh, the, the Senate. So the in, inevitable question is, on this runoff in Georgia, do you think the Republicans will bail on, on Herschel Walker and just have, let Warnock have it in a, in a walk because it's going to be a waste of money? They won't have uh, a majority even if they win it. John? It doesn't look like they're going to cut off uh, Walker. It looks like they're going to continue to help him. Um, you know, there's there is a line of thinking out there that that Mitch McConnell and and others, um, you know, the more I guess we could call still call them establishment Republicans. I don't even what country club Republicans. I'm not sure what we call them. Old school, yeah. I guess. Not Trump Republicans. How about that? Uh, that they might uh, cut off Walker or or really cut back their support. You know, they're giving him money so we can buy television, radio ads and, and all that, that they could pull that back as a message to Trump that, you know, this is your fault, Mr. President. Uh, Trump, you know, Trump handpicked a lot of Republican candidates that were all about Trumpism. And boy, that didn't work out so well for the Republicans, did it? So <laughs> he's um, the big loser in this election, I think. I think Donald Trump is, and the Trump, uh, party the magas have lost a yeah. lot a, a lot of the people who were election deniers were not brought into office so it, it makes That's right. you wonder uh it, it now, is the, are we done well, with donald trump politically at least well before we get to that i just wanted yes. to say there's a reason for mcconnell and others to continue supporting walker right now the democrats would have 50 they would only have 51 votes uh if it's a 50 50 senate if uh if, if kamala harris the vice president came in but if the if the democrats can hold on to georgia if senator warnock can hold on that takes them to 51 and that makes it slightly easier to do some reconciliation bills the next couple years if they were to take the house um and anything else they might want to do with 50 votes um it, it allows them to lose a senator mansion or, or a senator cinema and we don't know about Senator uh, Senator Elect Fetterman, but he's from Pennsylvania. Um, he ran, you know, he's he's got some reasons that he might need to vote no sometimes in Pennsylvania. So fifty one does matter uh, for the Democrats, and you know, if, if anyone knows that, if I know that, then Mitch McConnell knows that for of sure. Course. And that's why they're going to continue helping Walker because even though um, how do, I don't know how to put this, but does the average voter he might show not out. be. He would not be the sharpest uh, knife in the GOP caucus. Um, I don't know if he could spell he, knife, but but he could still he could still go vote no on a lot of stuff if he's told to. That, that's two you know, right. easy letters. N O. Yeah. Well, uh, but I guess the ultimate question is: Do the GOP voters stick around for for that? Um, that's. I mean, it's Georgia. It's football, and as everybody said, that's the whole reason why <clears> it's there to begin with. Georgia football is, you know, close to God and country. So they're going to vote, but uh, it'll be interesting to see that, but they have retained the, uh, the Senate. And, and so Michael, here you go. This is, this is political side of it. Now, do you think that at least politically uh, America is done with Donald Trump? I think it'll be very interesting to see whether or not Donald Trump shows up in Georgia. Um, for for this runoff, if he shows up there, um, then he's sending a very sharp message to those who are doubting his 
you know, sort of his belief that he still controls and maybe the actuality that he still controls this party. I don't know that he's going to cede it to Brian Kemp and uh, Mitch McConnell's PACs to control this thing. I, I think that if he shows up, puts his weight behind um, Walker, then he's he's sending. Hold on. Forgive me. That was a rather large dog. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Brian Kemp. The point, the, the point is, I think that Donald Trump has got beefs with a lot of people. McConnell is is one of them. Kemp is one of them. Whether he's going to now just roll over and let those guys control what's going on in Georgia when Walker was really his guy, uh, um, I, I'd be surprised. And if he does show up, um, what is that? that that to me is the is the gorilla in the room sort of question in, in respect of Republican Party turnout and and cohesion. So that's what I'm sort of looking to see what what he does and and then how um, internecine the 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 fighting uh, becomes. John, what do you think? You think uh, we're, we've seen the last of uh, Dear Donny, Donny Darko, Donny the Orange Man? No, Trump. <laughs> no. Oh. No, we have not. He's not finished with us. You know, <laughs> he's going to announce something Tuesday night, 9 Eastern. Uh, check your local cable provider for <laughs> uh, coverage. Uh, he's going to announce something at Mar-a-Lago Tuesday night. Everyone is, you know, out, credible outlets are reporting that he is still intent on announcing his next presidential bid. Uh, and, in, in you know, as we tape this, uh, 51 hours. So he's not finished with us. A lot of people seem, yeah, politically they're done with Trump. I think, you know, the, the midterm outcome certainly suggests that when, once we get some more exit polling, um, uh, from the first few exit polls that I've seen, um, people are concerned about democracy. They are concerned about Trumpism's impact. They are concerned about Donald Trump's presence on the stage. And, and it has had a career. There's no doubt that it's had a corrosive effect on politics, on society, on the culture. Um, but he's not finished with us. And he's going to, just like everything else, he's going to play out the string here. And I think I said this last week. I'm, I kind of view this now as a race between Trump, the prosecutors, and, and, and the nomination uh, at, at the convention and I guess it'll be August of, uh, of uh, uh, 2024. So it's a race to get to that point. Um, but even beyond that, I think as a nominee, I, I don't think Merrick Garland or any of the state officials, um, if, if they were still investigating him then, then it's probably serious enough to go ahead and charge him, even if he is the nominee. So I, yeah, think I don't think Garland would care about that one way or another. Yeah. So I think it's it's just a race, and 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 Trump wants to get in, um, probably incorrectly thinking that if he's a candidate, it somehow gives him some protection from all these investigations. Uh, I think that's a, a a a false read of reality. But this is Donald Trump. This isn't about reality. Yeah, it never is when it's when it's dear Donnie. It's never about reality. Which brings me to the one who is dealing with reality these days. Uh, for the first time in ten months, the President of the United States had a press conference recently, which which I was fortunate enough to attend or unfortunate enough to attend, however you want to look at it. And there was one statement that he made. Well, first of all, I'll take umbrage with the fact that he only allowed ten questions. They decided it would uh, they would handpick who it was beforehand, and he said, "I have to stick to this card." And I did say to him, and pointed at him as I said it. I said, "You can always choose to pick someone else, Mr. President." And and he didn't. But nonetheless, one of the things that he did say during this press conference was that he looked forward to watching Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. He said it would be a lot of fun to watch them uh, uh, run for the Republican nomination. And those are his words, a lot of fun. Um, uh, that being said, it is Ron DeSantis is looked upon as the uh, the heir apparent to the Trump uh, organization or political organization, uh, should Donnie falter. Um, 
that brings its own list of grievances and problems. And so what do you think, John? You think that's, that's where the, the, uh, the Republican party is headed Ron DeSantis instead of Donald Trump. He seems to be the only one with, um, you know, the cachet and the national, um, you know, national recognition. And when you think about putting together the kind of, you know, coast to coast operation and, and, and being able to raise the funds, you know, it costs way too much just to run for the nomination, much less the general election these days. So he's got to raise all that money. Um, and I, I do think he's better suited and better positioned than say a Nikki Haley from South Carolina, a Christy Nome um, from the Dakotas and, you know, and Mike Pence, who's um, going to drag it, going to going to make us watch him try to run for a Republican nomination, the base of which wanted wanted to hang him at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, how I don't could you run in that party? If, if, if knowing that, how could you do that? He's going to do a town hall, uh, I think it was CNN this week. And it's, you know, it's going to be very awkward to watch him try to, to, to maneuver all of this, but I don't think Pence, um, I don't think Pence quite has that last gear when, you know, when I think of politicians, uh, Pence is more Scotty Pippen. He's not Michael Jordan. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> That's a very you long got, way you to got the sports. You got the sports. I got it in there. That's a very long way to answer your question and say, yes, I think it's DeSantis. Michael, what do you think? I don't know because I don't know what the conclusion of the Republican Party is going to be as they start digesting the polls. So if, for example, one of the thoughts is that we're just too narrowly constructed where we are not a big tent party, Trump's, you know, sort of parochialism, is nationalism, mm -hmm. is um, wars on culture, um, cost them, his wars on democracy cost them. Well, Ron DeSantis is a prettier um, face in a sense in that he knows, he's, you know, Ivy League educated, so he knows a little bit better when to talk and when not to talk. But his politics are, I mean, what did he say when he announced that he had won, you know, his acceptance speech? This is where woke comes to die. This is where wokeism um, comes to die, Florida. Yeah. This is where woke, he didn't even say wokeism. I think he said, this yeah. is where woke comes to die. So, so much for his Ivy League education. But um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, are, are people going to say, well, we'll take, you know, a sort of a, a Trump light in Ron DeSantis, or do we really have to pivot and, you know, look to the uh, former governor Hogan's or the Chris Christie's or whomever else may be more traditional conservatives that can bring back uh, the suburban voters that probably left them and, and some of the other more traditional um, conservative voters that left them. I, I just don't know, Brian, if I'm, uh, if I'm sitting I there. I like that thought because that what you've just said, God, you teed it up for me. If they're going to pivot, here's a pivot that I think would scare the living shit out of the Democrats, but I'm going to say it with a caveat that I don't think it would ever happen because I don't think this pair could get out of the Republican primaries. But if the Republicans want to pivot, they have in their uh, in their nest uh, in their <laughs> nest of vermin uh, uh, someone who has voted with Trump ninety six percent of the time, but yet is a conservative, yet is a traditional conservative, and yet opposed Donald Trump and helped lead the January sixth committee. And by the way, if Liz Cheney were on the top of a ticket in the Republican Party she would get crossover voters like you would not believe from the Democrats because she was the one who opposed him in Congress, no matter what her voting record is. She would be a tough uh, sell and uh, for the Democrats to beat. And by the way, that would give the Republicans a, the gloating rights of saying, hey, you think you're, you're, you're the party of you know, women and empowerment. We're the first party to elect a woman as president. It would be a tough... Not to, but I'm saying 
with if it were her and Adam Kinzinger on the ticket, I think the Democrats would be in a lot worse trouble than they I, would I, with uh, what's it with uh, DeSantis. I thought you had told me, Brian, that you had stopped doing psilocybin. <laughs> well, just for this one time, <laughs> that and the little bourbon. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know that that Liz Cheney is getting out of Republican primary. She couldn't even get out of Wyoming. That's but, what I'm uh, saying. But if no, you no, look I understand past that. that, if you look past that, take a look at what she would bring to a ticket. And that would be really something that the Democrats wouldn't be able to counter would or would have well, a hard time countering they would run against her on on her policy positions she, she's oh i'm sure i'm sure they would but anyway but the point the, the point shallow is that, voter the point is for the shallow voter though they would just look at her and go she's a woman i'm going to vote for her and by god she opposed donald trump and then all the trumplicans and all the conservatives will go hell she voted with donald trump 96% of the time. And by the way, we're done with Trump. And, you know, she's right. He, he's he's not uh, for democracy. So it yes. gives them the, the cover of voting for someone that, uh, you know, is a lot like Donald Trump, but isn't. Yeah, it's not happening. But no, so I don't think it will either. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's fun to speculate about. The other thing, you know, sort of apropos of this conversation um, is what about on the Democratic side? Because what is this? What is this election, where, in an out year, they, in theory, gained a seat in the Senate, um, if they win the primary, um, the runoff in Georgia, and pretty much held one seat in the Senate. If they could gain two, if they win Georgia, right. That's saying. Well, right they now they're the open seat in Pennsylvania. Right. No, that's saying so. If if conventional wisdom for 100 years is in the mid-cycle, the party in power loses seats, and this cycle defied that. They gained in the Senate or broke even in the Senate, and they essentially broke even in the House, whether they're in the majority or in the minority by one or two. That's a push. Does Biden say, notwithstanding his primary his his favorability numbers in the 40s does he say that's my mandate to run again uh or does he say i did what i needed to do which i brought the country back from trumpism and now i'm going to hand it off to and so let's take the hypothetical of, and now i'm going to hand it off to who who this thing doesn't seem to me to be well, all I know is going to be Beto O'Rourke or Stacey Abrams. They no. can't win it. <laughs> they can't win anything. So that's they're... right. No, but so, but so the question I'm, I'm, I want to ask you two um, political uh, thinkers is: Do you think that this is being handed to Kamala Harris? I don't think so. No. So if if it's not, and he's not running, who who out there? Um, or, so if we're on the one hand, we're saying you could have DeSantis, you could have Pompeo, you could have Chris Christie, you could have Governor Hogan, you could have a whole host of people um, and Trump. And on this side, you could have Biden plus people who challenge Biden or Biden exits um, quietly or, you know, with stage left. Um, and and then it's and then it's open season. So I'm, I guess I'm asking the well, hypothetical of if it's open season. If Biden has said, I, 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 I've done what I needed to do and I'm not running, who 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 do you guys think are the likely um, heir apparents if there is? John, who, who, who's, throwing their hat, who's throwing their hat in the ring on that side? I think Gavin, <clears throat> Gavin Newsom, governor in California, is already uh, trying to elbow his way uh, to the front of the line or closer to the front of the line. He did some campaigning uh, during the midterms. Um, you know, he's had, he does have a mixed record in California. Uh, a lot of even Democratic strategists aren't sure, um, you know, some of his uh, failures and short shortfalls out there would, would give Republicans a lot of, and other Democrats in a primary, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of fodder to come, come after him and attack him with. Uh, but I think he's got to be at the head of the list right now. But but your point is 
is is I hear you loud and clear. There is no bench here. If it's not Harris, then who? Uh, you know, Biden still thinks he's the only Democrat who can beat Trump. Um, and if we think that Trump's got a shot at the nomination, and I do, um, then maybe Biden does run again. Uh, I'm certainly not ruling that out. Um, but I, I don't see anyone other than Harris and, and a Newsom with that, at least right now, again, with that national sway, the ability to raise all the money, the ability to set up the kind of organization and get the right people uh, to run a campaign that can win. Um, it is just, it's such a short bench. And, and I, I don't see, I don't see any name, um, any name, you know, coming to the top, maybe uh, Pete Buttigieg, but he's too yeah, short, but, you know, but he's, 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 he is a short uh, gentleman. Uh, maybe Mayor Pete, he's definitely whip smart. Uh, he, could, he is. He could probably run the campaign. I'm not sold, though, that that he would jump out of line and because uh, he's still pretty young, that he would jump out of line and, you know, necessarily take on a sitting vice president. He is a member of the administration. Um, it wouldn't be maybe it wouldn't be a great look, maybe. And he has uh, he has young children. So maybe he wants to wait, uh, not wait his turn, but just wait a little longer. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there, maybe just to see your guys' uh, facial reaction. So here we go. What about Hillary Clinton? Mm, she won't. I, 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 I'm pretty sure she's done. But okay. I will. I'll say it this way. In in answer to your question, Michael, a year before 1976, or a year and a half before 1976, or about the same time prior to the 76 election that we are before the 2024 election, no one knew who Jimmy Carter was. Hmm. So I think that the outlier, it could be, it well could be someone because of all the crap that's gone on in Washington in the last few years and the disdain that many voters have on both sides of the aisle for traditional politicians, which is what got us to Donald Trump in the first place, unfortunately. Right. Uh, leads us to a position where the unknown dark horse candidate like Jimmy Carter could sneak in, and I don't know who that is. Well, so I, I mentioned previously that one of the people who is below the radar, but I think has um, the ability to attract voters, is Senator Murphy from Connecticut. Yes, indeed. I think that... He's a, he's a decent guy uh, who's, you know, sort of moderate slash progressive, but has reached across aisles on uh, important pieces of, of legislation. Um, but I wouldn't, so that would be my dark horse at the moment, but I that's also yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exclude the possibility that Elizabeth Warren Run. Elizabeth Warren could run, but won't win, can't win, because Elizabeth Warren has such uh, negatives across the country from her last run. And there are people who still will. And, and the Democrats, unlike the Republicans, often look at, um, I mean, the Republicans will all close ranks, whoever is 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 going to run. The Democrats never do that. So it would make it a run even more difficult, I think, for Elizabeth Warren. Well, but let's just unpack that a minute, because my recollection is, is that the the negatives that she had was with the um, Sanders voters, principally. So he's that, a socialist. She's a fascist. She's uh, she's a little feather. She's uh, she has a lot yeah. of, of that that she would have to unpack and, and would spend a lot of time unpacking the negatives and having to fight those, I think it would make it difficult for her to, to sustain a, a, a campaign. It's possible, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put rule, it. Oh, I, I think it'll, it'll be I wide open. Rule, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule her. If uh, Biden, it, in all honesty, and John, you know, you've, you've covered it as I have. If, if, uh, if Biden decides to pack it in, and I still think there's a really, well, I'll put it this way. All right. So in the press conference uh, last week, when asked, he said his intent was to run. That's not definitive and never has been definitive. 
And he's always said, I have the intent. Well, you know, I, I've got the intent to own an NFL team. That doesn't mean I'm going to, but uh, that's my intention. So <laughs> that's his intent. And at that moment, I watched him. And I was, I was locked in. I mean, he and I, I had the advantage of standing near the, you know, the, 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 the jumbotron with the words on it. <laughs> so I know he's reading off the teleprompter right next to my shoulder and I'm 30 feet away from him and I lock eyes with him. And he, at that point in time, he, he pivoted and looked at his wife and he says, I hope to get a week between now and the end of the year so we can have a conversation and I watched his wife at that time smile and look at him. And that look was, honey, we have to talk. And, and as every married man knows, honey, we have to talk. Never bodes well for the honey that has to listen. So unless, I'm just unless, saying, I'm just no, saying his intent, wait, wait a minute, let me finish. His intent is there. But I think at some point in time, and he said he would let us know definitively by the first of the year. I yeah. don't know if if he runs or not. If he does, then it's him. If he doesn't, and John, like I've said, you know this as well as I, that's a wide open field. And that's why anyone, including Murphy or Newsom or anyone, I don't think that it's uh, Kamala Harris. I don't think Kamala Harris has the uh, wherewithal to be able to handle that type of a, a, a job. And I think it's shown. Go ahead. So I was just going to snarkily remark when you said, when your spouse says to you, honey, we have to talk. And you know what that means, meaning you're not going to get to do what you want to do. And you said, no, it just means that you're not going to like the conversation. <laughs> well, you're going to, well, the implication to me was that, that, and, and he's not going to make the decision. And you said, that's true for all men. You were saying it, you know, tongue in cheek. And I, yeah. and I was going to say, um, uh, snarkily in response, except of course, if you're Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know. I think she won that one too. But <laughs> well, to be to be rid of him, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, oh. oh my God, what what could maybe we close out of this? What could he have been thinking? Yeah. What is it that? Well, let's hold that thought. Let's hold that thought. We got, a, we got a quick break that we want to take and we'll go to what he could have been thinking. But John, let's let's finish up the conversation about what if. Yeah. Uh, you know, President Biden did say exactly what he that that he wants to have a conversation with his wife and I'm sure with his family, um, with his said, family, yeah, with his children family. and and talk about this and 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 make a decision by the end of the year and and announce something early next year. That's fine and good. Um but to me, what that will, he won't have the information yet on just how rough House Republicans are going to get with his son, Hunter, and the laptop, yep. and Burisma, and, and his addiction problems, and um, some of the folks he was associating with uh, when he was going through his addiction problems, uh, substance abuse problems. So, you know, how much does a father want to see his son repeatedly bludgeoned in public and yes joe biden a long time ago 50 years ago chose a public life but still he's still a father and i just wonder i just wonder if you know if he's thinking about an, a march or april announcement well jim jordan is gonna he's gonna be in his third month of just ravaging hunter biden in public so i'm not ready to make a prediction because i want to see i i want to see what those hearings look like yeah, yeah you know to that point you you have this with jim jordan and 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 going after hunter biden during a a, a stage of his life where he was drug addicted and, and 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 vulnerable in an age where people are committing suicide all the time um because of opioid addictions and stuff you have with jim jordan the possibility of a mccarthy um senate um, hearing of a have you no shame moment where the president of the United States can say to him, you know, enough's enough. Have you no decency? Well, um, we already know the answer to that. And it's no, they have. Well, no, but, but, it, but it's not, it's not to, to when, when that statement was made to McCarthy, it wasn't to McCarthy that it was being made. It was, it was being made to the, to the rest of us. And yeah, it may yeah. be that Hunter Biden turns out to be a much more sympathetic character 
than he's being portrayed to be. And the president, we started this conversation by saying, is Nancy Pelosi going to fight or flee um, in the aftermath of her fight husband's or flight. Right. Um, and we're, we're asking the same question in a sense with the Biden. President. Yeah. And, Plus, and, and it, well, these are very personal it. decisions. And I'll add to this as we close out and we'll take a break before we come back for our final Brady moment. Uh, we'll take, I'll, I'll look at it this way. Whatever you decide, whatever is decided, I think one thing is abundantly clear. Um, the United States needs younger, more vibrant leaders than 80 that's year exactly old right. and late 70 year old men. Uh, so that, I think that's the wild card in it all. Uh, we elected a very young member to the house, 25 years old. There is a, a chance here for a demonstrable change in the U.S., at least get away from the baby boomers that, uh, you know, well, I'm a part of and you're part of, Michael, and move to a, at least <laughs> at least somebody a little in their 50s <laughs> who's got a shot or their 40s who've got a shot at doing it. So on, on that thought, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, it's Just Ask a Question. I'm, I'm back. I'm Brian Karam, the host with our friends Michael Zelda and John Bennett. And- the, where we left off was you said that when watching the press conference, Biden said, if I get a week, I want to, you know, talk it over with my wife. And his wife gave him a look like, yeah, you're damn right. We need to talk. <laughs> and, and the implication being that what she decides will be what is the answer. And I was saying, and you were saying, and that's, that's normative. And I was saying, <laughs> and then my joke was going to be, except of course, if you're Tom Brady, who walked away from his supermodel wife and family in order to play his what he's in his 107th year in the NFL. <laughs> so he can win what his 28th Super Bowl <laughs> or lose. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is, he said, he said in an interview, I saw, he said it to him, I've got to do what's best for me. I think like, really? <laughs> really? That's interesting. Well, John, <laughs> help me out here, John. How do you follow that? Um, <laughs> well, I'll just say the, the the Bucks are starting to play together. They're starting to, at least offensively, they're establishing an identity. They're, I think their schemes are sharper offensively. They're putting their weapons in better position to make plays, and they're, uh, they're starting to win some ball games here. And that's what Tom's all about. Tom's all about <laughs> winning some ball games. The hell with his wife. That's the right. The hell with that. I'm about winning ball games. That's right. And he's 45, and he's going to try to play until he's 50. And, and Remember when they used to make fun of Brett Favre for that? <laughs> yeah. But look, you know, he still looks great. He's still got zip on the ball. He he doesn't have as much on the, on the deep ball, and I see right. him missing more. But, hey, I think he's got two more seasons left in him. And, you know, let's go win some ball games. Oh, what you about know, forget, the other old man, forget, Aaron Rodgers? Forget your kids. Forget your home yeah, life. Yeah, forget your, you know, forget, forget your wife. The legal, forget the legal fight. You know, now we get a custody fight. Now, forget that. We got a ball game Sunday. And you can end up concussed like uh, Brett Favre. He's already had his legs snapped in two once for, you know, I'm, that's going to be a much different scenario at 45 or 46. If that same injury, I think oh, it, yeah. well, or it, it was a leg injury. I forget exactly what it was, but you know what? That's just, that's the risk they all take. That's yeah. the risk they all knowingly take. 
Yeah, but do you want to see Tom Brady running for office? No. <laughs> well, he uh, he signed that giant Fox contract. Oh, to I know. Go in the booth when he's done. Whenever when he when he's fifty seven and he finally retires <laughs> from playing ball games. Um, so he's going to be busy calling games. Um, but hey, you know you could use that as a springboard uh, to run for office. I'm sure. Well, sure, it's on Fox. <laughs> uh, different fox uh, sports there yeah. you go <laughs> look at you Broad line. Say, hey now connect the dots <laughs> connect the dots hey now so there we go and what about the other old fart aaron Rodgers? yeah he's definitely fallen off uh, that offense has fallen off the front office did him no favors um, they've had some some folks leave. They haven't gotten better at wide receiver. They haven't gotten better at running back. I don't think they've gotten better up front on the on the offensive line. And their defense still sucks. Yeah, the defense isn't what it was a few years ago. So they've definitely taken a step back. And Rodgers just doesn't look like he's having any fun. I mean, Brady gets frustrated, but, but he still he looks like he's having flashes fun. that yeah. that he's enjoying himself out there and enjoying playing ball games with the fellas. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers just he looks miserable. Well, they, they can be up three touchdowns and he's just moping on the sideline. I'm going to say anybody who takes medical advice from Joe Rogan deserves to feel what? miserable. You mean he's not a doctor? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Oh, wait, what? <laughs> right. Who knew? Hey, I'm telling you, a tough room. So anyway, well, listen, guys, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> especially once Michael brought Tom Brady into it and his honey, we have to talk moment. So the show is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next week.